0: Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at romantic confusion in Bali in Ticket to Paradise, a complex satire about real murder in a whodunit stage play in See How They Run, and a more than two-hour-long documentary exploring singer David Bowie's creative musical journey in Moon Age Daydream.
1: I'm sorry, I think your things are in my seat. Sorry. Oh, come on. You've got to be kidding me. Excuse me, ma'am. I need to sit somewhere else. We used to be married. Worst 19 years of my life. We were only married for five. I'm counting the recovery.
0: In four days' time... Our daughter's going to marry a guy she just met. Ooh, Bali. Millions of miles from home. I just really want to kiss you. In Ticket to Paradise, George Clooney and Julia Roberts play a divorced couple who travel to Bali to stop their daughter making the same mistake as they had 25 years ago by getting married. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Hollywood cinema at Sumner to see this rather offbeat romantic comedy. Uh, Carolyn, what do you think of Ticket to Paradise?
1: I really like it. It's exactly what I was in the mood for, something that my brain could just switch off and enjoy and listen to George Clooney for an hour and a half
0: <laughs> two <laughs> yeah. hours. I mean, I mean he, he comes across when he's playing, like in this one he plays a, well, he's he's very argumentative, so there's no yeah, answer. He's a but bit he can, but man. with that big smile of his, you know, he comes across as such a sort of lovely character all the time. And the way I just through. think
1: the chemistry between him and Julia Roberts is, is awesome. I mean, the story is also is almost secondary to just watching the two play off each other. Yeah. I <laughs> know, yeah. no, just really interesting.
0: Mean, it. It I mean, the amazing thing is that those two have starred in five movies together. Yes, already. and none of That's...
1: them are rom com. Before. Ah, this is oh their first rom-com. Because I was reading an interview and um, it, apparently it took 79 takes to do the kissing scene in this film because they just crapped up laughing because they're just such good friends. But they <laughs> found it really difficult to create a passionate moment. And you could kind of tell that in the film that it just the sparring against each other was <laughs> – it was – yeah, it was meant to be really horrible, but it wasn't in a way. Oh, so was... maybe
0: they um, prefer kissing when there's nobody taking <laughs> <a> movie of Yes,
1: <laughs> I, <guess, it. laughs> I don't know. But no, it was just really lovely. I mean, it harked back to Julia's earlier films that she's done, the rom-coms of the 90s that she was involved in. Even though they're not supposedly the main... Thank performers in this mm. film. I mean, the story is about their daughter.
0: Yeah, she's just, uh, got to, she's, she's just uh, getting married. Yeah, she's uh, just but. got out of university. And, yeah. uh, as a lawyer, and uh, and this is so uh, she's having a holiday with a girlfriend of hers in, in Bali, Bali, yeah, where she meets a uh, Bali uh, Balinese, yeah, Balinese bloke uh, who uh, had helped get her off an island where she'd been stuck without a boat. Well, and,
2: yeah,
0: and. Um, and uh, so, you know... So. No,
1: yeah, so that's the, the, that's the kind of subplot to it all. But Yeah, well, I, well, I, I think I
0: said to you early, um, I'd say within the first quarter of the film, that I get a feeling that Clooney and and Julia, that they are actually going to be coming back together at the end of this film after having been oh, yeah. separated totally, for about totally. 20 years. No... It's so obvious at the start. So yeah. looking back on it now, I tend to think the film was more... About, about them,
1: th- about yeah.
0: Them, and it's and, completely and it formulaic. Did, and watching their own daughter helped bring them those two back together yeah. again so after, after those arguments they've had over the years. Yeah, there's no um, plot
1: spoiler in saying um, the <laughs> et what you're talking about them getting back together again. No, kind of I don't like, think so because, because to it me is it was a so obvious. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is very formulaic on that as well. But it's such a joy to watch. I just really enjoyed it, and I know other reviewers. Have, um, have panned it, but yeah. they've also admitted that they don't like rom-coms, so why would you review a rom-com if you don't yeah. like them? You're automatically going to be against the movie, yeah. whatever you want. Well,
0: yeah, and, and I mean, why criticise a film if it, the film was too obvious what was happening in the yeah. film? Yeah, you know um, what
1: you're getting. So, but, uh,
0: yeah, but to me, that, uh, that didn't put me off. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching uh, Clooney and, um, Julia and Julia Roberts, Roberts mainly. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely the story and but the other thing I also really enjoyed is that there's a scene where they're in a nightclub and they say, Right, we've got to play some music for the oldies, meaning them. And instead of what they usually do in films is you get songs from the seventies or Um, 60s and stuff. They actually had really good nightclub songs like Jump from my era. And I was like, oh, that's so yay, Gen X, we're being covered. (laughs) In the film, we're not being lumped with baby boomers and having to listen to ABBA or anything like that. They're actually playing music (laughs) from our generation, um, which was appropriate because it's uh, George and Julia's hmm. generation now. So I really enjoyed that and it was a nice little yeah. little
0: bit and, in the uh, film. Yeah, there's another, well, this has not, got nothing to do with the plot, but the curious thing about the filming of it. Is because I, I, I kept I thought several times while watching this. I've never been to Bali. But mm. I've heard about it, it as a very popular a holiday place for people from all over the world. Ending going there, and um, you know, so this uh, and and it, it looked extremely lovely, beautiful, absolutely yeah, lovely. paradise. Mm. Yeah. yes yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the beaches there and and the yeah. coastline and. the... There's trees behind it and all this sort of thing. And and then I come home and I find out that the film was not made in Bali, but um, no. it was filmed in Queensland yeah. in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> but, but how can you do that in a film that so looks as if it's put together deliberately to promote Bali. (laughs) Because
1: originally it was supposed to be filmed in Bali, but because of COVID they had to move the location. Well, actually the Queensland government offered them a lot more money to film it in Queensland, Um, so that's why it was filmed. And there are some CGI moments that you do see Bali in the background um, with the mountain and stuff, the the volcano in the background. That is actually Bali, but the rest of it is all off the coast of Queensland. But it's just so beautiful. Anyway, I mean, you get the idea of why the daughter wants to live there. Um, kind of thing. Oh, yes, it is yes, yes, quite happily. Yeah, it wouldn't
0: be hard to live there. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is um, the daughter, Lily. She's uh, played by Caitlin uh, Diva, and uh, she plays that with quite good charm. Also. She does, yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: There were other actors in the film. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, this is, uh, this, um,
0: this is the odd thing there that uh, I, I wondered about, is um, once, particularly once I realised it was filmed in Queensland, I thought, well, there were a few people the coloured people in there were well, obviously the natives of this place. Yeah, was, no, they'd be not. Indonesians <laughs> if they were filming this in Queensland.
1: <laughs> no, no, um, yeah, don't go there. Just, just enjoy the film what it is, which is a wonderful reunion with Julia Roberts and George Clooney. Yeah, and yeah, and updated. And the the director, he's well known for Mamma Mia too. So if you oh, enjoyed yes, that yes. film. Um, You will like this, although there is no ABBA in this film. As I said, the music is very much Gen X. Uh Um, But yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah, no, I I just totally—I was surprised how much I did did enjoy this because I mean, Clooney himself is sort of playing. He, he most of the time as far as I could remember, he plays quite much more serious parts too. He
1: has—he's done the odd comedy, but yeah, he's around with a
0: big smile on his face all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> okay then. Thank you. Uh, yeah, enjoyable. All right. Good. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Ticket to Paradise. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. The
1: victim's name is Leo Copperneck, sir. Seems he was killed in the costume store. <laughs> deposited here. Ah! Staged, so to speak.
0: In 1950s London, plans for a movie version of a whodunit play by Agatha Christie come to an end after an important person associated with the play is murdered. Uh, Robin Munro has been off to the Lumiere cinema to see this deadly satire. Um, Robin, I believe the stage version of this Agatha Christie whodunit is still showing in London now. Uh, what did you think of see
3: how they run? Oh, I thought it was very clever, but above all, I, I thought it was very funny, and I heard a lot of the audience laughing, and in yes. that way, it was uh, quite special. Yes, yes,
0: yeah, uh, it, yeah. I, I was quite amazed by yeah, the size of the audience, and they appreciated. It. It seemed, yeah, they went along with it very well. I mean, it's, it's an excellent satire, but uh, because, well, I don't know if I've ever seen a satire for Who Done It.
3: I I think I I haven't seen it. I I know you have seen it. There's a movie called Knives Out, which uh, took a similar approach to the sort of Agatha Christie. And Mm -hmm. and right at the beginning, uh, it's actually the American uh, director um, who will become an early victim. He, He rubbishes this genre, and he has all sorts of ideas about guns and shooting and playing a cowboy song. And he's really quite obnoxious. And he thinks he hasn't seen the play, but he thinks it's dreadful anyway and he's his task is to make a film out of this, but uh he he no, know, gets ends up mm-hmm. fairly fairly doesn't last very long
0: <laughs> yeah. anyway, this one is about this um agatha uh, christie um who done it um the mouse trap and I mean that's absolutely amazing because this started off. In in uh, West uh, End the, uh, theatres in London in nineteen in the nineteen fifties that's seventy years ago. It's almost and it's
3: still going there now. It's almost as long as the reign of the Queen, but it was interrupted during COVID. <laughs> they had to restart it after uh, they had to stop it, but it has restarted. And yes, it's oh, really uh, amazing the number of people that go to see the Mousetrap, and the the, the film centres around that. Uh, that there is a cast of this play. And um, and there are people who are thinking of turning it into a film and what they're all up to. And we even get a little glimpse of Agatha Christie herself. Do we? <laughs> well, <laughs> it mustn't reveal too much. It's a it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: no, it's. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I found it fascinating because it's, it's such a wonderful uh, twist. I mean, I've never seen a, a movie. Okay, this is a satire, an obvious, obvious uh, satire where you get a who it play at a theater a live version of it and then somebody gets murdered backstage mm-hmm. and so that you get a who it an actual
3: who done it inside who
0: done it and the two overlap because there are quite a few similarities between the Agatha Christie play which is called the mouse trap. And uh, and what
3: happens uh, in the movie in the, mo- in, in, in in the movie in, that we watch? Yeah, yeah, the movie yeah, we the, mo- watch, the yeah. movie that, that yeah. they intend to make um, has has a few hitches. <laughs> yeah,
0: yes, it does.
3: Yeah, I mean, anyway, this is uh, where um, uh, you get to,
0: the, then there's this um, uh, police detective into to find the murderer played by Sam Rockwell. and He's accompanied by Suarez uh, um, Ronan. And um, she's also, oh, she's a police woman, and and of course they add a lot of good humour to the whole thing too. They're they're very good fun, excellent in this yes, part. Yes, yes, absolutely. Had, because I don't really want to have much to do with all, all of it. It's certainly him, <laughs> Agatha, the bloke, he doesn't want to have much to do with all this nonsense anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a brilliant idea. And um, I mean, what did you think? Did you? Were you with, I didn't know what to expect before I went there. But you had a fair idea of what.
3: No, I, I knew about the mouse trap, but I didn't. I didn't know all the other things. But it, it's fairly easy to follow. And if you've seen any of these English murder mysteries, they're rather genteel. There isn't a lot of blood or shooting or things like that. And, um, you know, you have recognizable characters, you, they have a bit of character exploration, and often at the end, as we are told right at the beginning, they gather all the suspects together in one room. And, yeah, always. That's and how <laughs> any whodunit uh, play or movie is, yes. isn't it? They and and, and then go. it's usually the mm. least likely or perhaps the, the, the least likable. And, yes. <laughs> and um, so- something like that happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, it's um, you know.
0: So, uh, so uh, to me, this was ex- you know, just excellent um, fun that they could uh, put this um, together. Because I mean, they, uh, funny enough, earlier this year we had a, a remake um, movie remake of by Kenneth Branagh's version of Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another well known who whodunit that's yes, yes. come back. But of course, they played it straight out. <laughs> Did a quite a good job. But um, whereas this, the satire to me, is the ultimate thing because it's just waiting. To oh, it's just good. silly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same old thing all over and over again. And um, yeah. So, so um, I think you'd just right. easily recommend this film to. Yeah, to anyone who wants a laugh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you very much. That was Robin Munro with his views on See How They Run. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Planes FM 96.9. I also thank this show's sponsor, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre. which is now located at ninety-eight Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, AssetManagers, one word, co.nz. Are you there, David? You're aware of a deeper existence. Are you there, David? Are you there, David?
3: Maybe a temporary reassurance that, indeed, there is no beginning, no end. And you find yourself struggling to comprehend a deep mystery.
0: With lots of archive footage... Moon Age Daydream takes us on a cinematic odyssey exploring singer David Bowie's creative musical journey. Sue Freeman's been off to the Hollywood cinema at Sumner to see this highly colourful, multi-level movie that is full of surprises. Sue, you're quite familiar with David Bowie. How did Moon Age Daydream affect you?
2: I thought it was amazing. I mean, I'm a I like I like David Bowie, but I wouldn't say I was an absolutely ardent fan. And probably a lot of his really ardent fans would have known that he was a an amazing artist as well, and a yes. writer, and an actor. Yes, yes, yes. I knew yes. <laughs> him as the musical genius, and his um the way you you can't really call it costumes that he wore. He personified the image that he put on on stage whether it was Ziggy Stardust or you know when he dressed as a woman, he was so yeah, convincing. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he transformed himself but when you understood about his love of art, you understood that he was creating a persona so that yes and he, he embraced it fully and presented it as such on stage and performed the songs as well. I was just I thought it was really incredibly well done. Yes, I just mm-hmm. never
0: realised there was that much to that man. Um, you know, as a, as a singer, you know, I assumed he was a musical sort of yeah. pop rock uh, yeah. singer, and, and that's all I basically oh, knew him as, except for the the rather eccentric side of him. And that um, because at that time um, he he was. Uh, he was criticised just as much. He got a lot of good positive uh, criticism, of course, but there were quite a lot of negative um, things yeah, well, about was, him. Not was, so much about his music, but him as an well, eccentric he, individual. He was and, uh, dressing getting up cra- at the time with things. platform
2: shoes and and dresses and doing a very androgynous, uh, not androgynous, he was um, he was sort of androgynous, but yeah. he was, he was feminising himself and then, but he could, he was also an incredible, take it from me. I mean, I think he was a very sexy man as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he's certainly good looking. I'll go. Yeah, that
2: far. and he had, but he he, he em, embraced. It. He wore these shoes that would have been really provocative at the time.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, in the eighties, yeah.
2: you know, to be wearing gold platform-toed high heel shoes
0: <laughs> for a bloke. For, for
2: a, you know, you can you even saw that in some of the interviews.
0: Yes. And the one
2: interviewer said to him. Um, are these women's shoes? And he looked down at them and said they're shoes. Yes,
0: that's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't and, going mm, to catch... Categor- and, and he what? liked that fluidity. He he did it very well. Hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. And then what surprised me too was this has this be quite early in the film, possibly in the first 10 minutes or so. He is um, in an interview... Um, he admitted that he was actually bisexual, and that there were several men around who he was yeah, interested yeah. in. Yeah. Now, I'd never heard that, but yeah. uh, this, you know, all came up. I mean, then again, towards the end of the film, he meets this um, Emma. Uh, yeah. c- c- coloured girl yeah. and a lovely girl, top model, uh, mm, yes, and um, and they get married, and yeah. and, and actually, and he that's a totally different love. side yeah. of the man. Yeah, hmm.
2: but they, they, you know, I mean. Uh, bisexuality they say that a lot of us have these bisexual tendencies
0: yes but we don't yeah. tell people
2: <laughs> well, we don't maybe live it out <laughs> <Don't you do>? <laughs> <laughs> he did yes. and he and he hated a day where he did nothing and what he achieved in those years he said now that i've reached the mature age and experienced so much at 33 yeah 33 yeah I've just come out of being a teenager, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah, you're so laughs> he'd done feeling.
2: so much by then.
0: Yeah, and then there's the other side to this this film, which is just as amazing. This is the film was directed by um uh, by Brett Morgan, mm. and the amount well the. Uh, chaotic sort of way he's put this film together to make certain points and all of this and particularly the, he gets into the musical numbers yeah. and he puts so much animated colour yeah. yeah. and everything into yeah. th- into them and this on the big, on a screen. This is, we were lucky, we saw it down at, at the Hollywood the on a big on screen, big screen. Yeah. and I think this is something yeah. I'd like to do is recommend to people, yeah. go and see this film at the biggest screen. Yeah, <laughs> Near where you brave live. the because seats at the Hollywood. wow. I mean, it's quite <laughs> overpowering, the amount yeah. of colour
2: in the But that's what his color. live concerts were like, too. Yeah. They were, yeah, a of sound and art and colour and his transformative appearances. Yeah, he was an incredible performer.
0: Yes, uh, yeah, it's quite fascinating. And then he also—I mean, he, his personal life—he always sort of still trying to sort himself out. Well, be we <laughs> well. <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> <About> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, so you they they do this very well. Where they, um, you see the chaos in the man. You see the chaos in the film. And yes,
2: and he uh, talked about chaos and embracing chaos.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He absolutely went for it head first.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, and it's quite good in that way that the the um, uh, the Bowie um, people. They, they still have, must be a family thing or something, they they look after all his possessions and artwork mm. and, and all of this, yeah. and they loaned him a lot of film and, right. and all a lot of the background stuff yeah. that he used yeah. in putting this documentary together.
2: Yeah. Well, his artwork, I, he, never exhi- he said he didn't like to exhibit it because...
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah,
2: so he must have kept it, but he didn't... He didn't exhibit it, and, and it's interesting that, that he made that comment because I read very recently. I went to the Jeff Dixon um, uh, uh, documentary. He's a New Zealand artist, and they talk about if you if you put on an art exhibition in a gallery, you're exposing yourself. It's like standing <laughs> stark naked in front of someone. It's because when you so for him, he didn't want to expose that side. Yeah. He could, he could transform himself with makeup and hair colour and his different appearances, but revealing his art to the world would be exposing his underbelly, if you will. But I would have thought hmm.
0: that 90% of of artists do paint. For other people and mm. not just for themselves. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, what it's, would have happened with Picasso and all his work or something
2: like that? I bet that? there's a lot he didn't expose. We won't <laughs> go into well that. Be. That's another story. Okay. <laughs> anyway, can you recommend this <laughs> one? Highly recommend it if you yeah. love David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: absolutely yeah. amazing. It film. is.
2: Absol- wonderful. Overpowering,
0: yeah. so strong yeah. and full of interest. Yeah,
2: things. and his personality comes through. David Bowie's personality comes through all the way through. Yes, It's not a dry documentary, it's amazing.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, thank (laughs) you, Sue. That was Sue Freeman with her views on. Moon Age Daydream and I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Planes FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Planes FM website. That's planesfm.org.nz.